Welcome to Not Fake News. I am your host, Brayden Hart, and this is something I've been wanting to do now for probably the past three years, ever since I had made the decision to go into talk radio. That's right. I did this. Um, this is something I've been wanting to do, like I said, for three years. Finally, something I have stayed committed to. I remember growing up, I've said I wanted to do lots of things, anything from being a bus driver to a football player or professional wrestler or rock star. I finally found something that I can commit myself to. And this podcast is, I think, going to help take me to the top, going to help me get my name out there. That's uh, the goal. Uh, anywho, uh, these po- this podcast is not necessarily this episode, but this podcast in general is going to be about American politics from a conservative libertarian point of view. For this episode, what I plan on doing is talking about the different types of groups on the right, the different factions that have come about. That kind of warring um, used to be, but they've kind of gotten along to an extent. Some different parties still hate each other. Like I said, I will get into that. Uh, a little bit later. Um, <clears throat> well, let's go ahead and start. We'll start with the very far right. It's the alt-right, the alternative right, as they are called. That was uh, coined the phrase. They are the racists. They helped bring President Trump to power in 2016. However, I am thankful that POTUS kind of put himself apart from the alt-right is what I'm trying to say. Uh, these people, like I said, they are racists. Some people like to just call them, you know, Western chauvinists. They tend to lean more on the anti-Semitic side, meaning that they don't like the Jews. They don't like the Jews, as Ben Shapiro would say. Uh, uh, prominent people on the alt-right, you've got Richard Spencer. He coined the phrase alt-right. You have Jared Taylor over at the American Renaissance. I'm not sure if he's there anymore. Can't really find out because Twitter kicked him off. Yeah, that's right. Twitter's kicking people off. Some people should be kicked off of Twitter, but not everyone. I'm not saying that Jared Taylor, he's somebody I followed, not necessarily because I agreed with him. It's just because I choose not to live in an echo chamber. Other prominent alt-right figures, you've got... Uh, Peter Brimelow, who is a hardline immigration hawk. I don't know a whole lot about him. Uh, the next group, let's uh, be the alt-light. The alt-light, different from the alt-right, they're not racist. They're really just conspiratorial. Used to be, me, myself, I used to be real big on the alt-right. Used to be a big InfoWars fan. Used to dabble on all these conspiracy theories. I remember 2016, whenever I got involved with politics, I bought a Hillary for Prison shirt from InfoWars. I uh, got rid of that because I thought that wouldn't really look too good on me with the person who I have become now. Uh, like I said, the alt-light, not really racist, though they may have some. Some of the alt-right figures that I follow, alt-light rather, they're not racist. They just tend to be conspiratorial and they tend to have very, very, very open support for President Trump. Uh, current uh, alt-light figures, you've got Alex Jones of InfoWars, the host Alex Jones. Uh, he will eat your neighbor's ass. He said he will eat your neighbor's ass. He's not going to let his kids go hungry. <laughs> uh, you've got Jack Posobiec, who he calls himself Poso. I'm like, why, dude? You really just sound like a punk, if you ask me. I think he was one of the people who helped uh, promulgate Pizzagate which was a 
conspiracy about the Clintons. I know the Clintons. Yes, I do believe that they are very, very loathsome people, but come on, let's not spread too many crazy conspiracy theories about them. Next group, let's talk about the paleo-conservatives. The paleo-cons tend to differ themselves from trad-cons or traditional conservatives because they are hardcore isolationists. And no, not isolation as in libertarian non-interventionism. They are full-blown isolationists. They're anti-free trade. They are even anti-legal immigration to a certain extent. Not just legal immigration. Some paleoconservatives have talked about, you know, cutting down on legal immigration. Uh, prominent uh, paleoconservatives are Pat Buchanan, who has written many books. He wrote one, Death of the West. I wanted to read that one, but never got the chance to because uh, it was supposed to be for a class, but I found out that that's not necessarily the topic that we were supposed to be reading. So I chose another book that he wrote called Churchill and Hitler. I'm not really sure what the entire title of it was, but all I know it was talked about uh, Churchill, Hitler, yeah, Churchill and Hitler and leading up to World War One and World War Two. And the book, basically, I uh, don't mean to slander or too much smear him. This is just what I got from the book. Um... He talked about how Cha uh, not Chamberlain, Churchill was responsible for the lead up to World War I and for World War II. He talked about how Hitler was, yeah, Hitler was a very, very bad guy, but no, well, he wasn't as bad as uh, Churchill, according to Pat Buchanan, or from what I understood. One interesting thing about Pat Buchanan, that book, was that whenever I read it, I found out that Mussolini was very much opposed to Hitler, thought he was a dork and thought he was just uh, stupid until the West made a bunch of stupid decisions and all of a sudden drove Mussolini into Hitler's arms. Other prominent paleoconservatives, you have Michelle Malkin, formerly of CRTV. She hosted Michelle Malkin Investigates, but whenever um, uh, CRTV murdered the blazed, her along with uh, Gavin McInnes, who I'll talk about in a little bit, got uh, cut. They were no longer a part of that. Michelle Malkin, somebody who I recently had a lot of respect for, but she took more of a racy approach to topics and got a little too racist, if you ask me. Uh, other prominent alt-white, not alt-white, paleocons, paleoconservatives would be Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson, funny thing is, before Donald Trump, from what I've uh, heard, that Tucker Carlson used to be an interventionist. I mean, yes, I understand people change their views from time to time, but, you know, some things it's like you just change your views because of somebody else. And Tucker Carlson, I'm not entirely sure if he did it just because of Trump, but now all of a sudden he's a big, big isolationist. And from what I've heard, he tends to uh, oppose some forms of legal immigration. Tucker Carlson's a very, very smart guy. He's very combat combative, I think is the word, against uh, progressives and the overall progressive movement. But some things I just disagree with him. Uh, the paleoconservatives are not real fans of this next group, which would be the neoconservatives. And let me tell you a little something about the neoconservatives. You'll hear that word be thrown around to describe Anyone who supported the Iraq war, anybody from traditional conservatives to uh, liberal hawks, but really neoconservatism originated from old 1960s Democrats who 
found themselves disenfranchised with the Democrat Party because they did a complete 180 on foreign policy and found themselves uh, supporting communist regimes. So all of a sudden in the early 70s, they found a home in the Republican Party and now all of a sudden are uh, conservative Republicans. Uh, prominent neoconservatives, past and present, you have uh, Irving Kristol, who coined the phrase neoconservative. You've got Paul Wolfowitz. Uh, don't know too much about Paul Wolfowitz. He, I think he served in Reagan's administration, if I'm correct. You've got uh, Bill Kristol, who was a big uh, supporter of the Iraq War, was one of the biggest advocates, rather. He was one of the ones on the front lines pushing for uh, war in Iraq in 2003. You have a George W. Bush and George H. W. Bush are both neoconservatives. George W. more of a neoconservative. I think that uh, H. W. was much more of a overall conservative than his father, or not his father, his uh, son rather. Um, let's see who else are prominent. You, Lindsey Graham. You've got uh, Marco Rubio in the Senate, uh, formerly uh, John McCain. God rest his soul. He was a good hero, was an American hero, but was not that great of a politician. And the thing about the neoconservatives, never met a war that they didn't like. Now, this next uh, group, let's talk about the National Review conservatives, what I like to talk about. You have, uh, these are the quote-unquote elites of the Republican Party, these somewhat intellectuals. Uh, you've got Jonah Goldberg, who wrote a really good book. It's uh, Suicide of the West. I read that one in... Um, summer of 2018. It was a really, really good book. There's also Charles C.W. Cook, also a very, very fine man, one of the smartest people within the Republican Party. He wrote the book Conservatarian Manifesto and a little bit about conservatarian. It's uh, something that I like to call myself sometimes. However, trying to find a different term for conservatarian, to me, that just sounds too cheesy. Also, David French, a very, very sharp legal mind. Um, a lot of Trumpsters are pissed off at him because he chooses not to uh, support dear leader at all costs. I even disagree with David French on a few issues, but overall, very, very, very smart man. You got uh, also at the DC Examiner, you have people such as Tiana Lowe. She's also very, very sharp. I'd put her easily top five smartest conservatives. Uh, I hear her a lot. She goes on a Buck Sexton show, who I'll talk about him later. She's very in-depth. She Give her any topic. She can go on and on and on and on and on about it. It's just, wow. She's, like I said, very, very smart. You'll have also Brad Palumbo. Also, shout out to Brad. He finally followed me back on Twitter. Um, don't agree with Brad a lot on some issues, but he's also very sharp. He's also tends to fight for what he believes in. And that's really it for that. The next category, I'd like to talk about the, um, the just your basic traditional conservatives or cruise conservatives. I tend to uh, look at more of the traditional conservatives of those who voted for Ted Cruz. You've got these people are tend to be, you know, like I said, socially conservative, uh, pro-life, uh, maybe, well, I don't know if you'd still call them anti-gay marriage. They still may be anti-gay marriage overall philosophy-wise. They still may say, gay marriage is a sin, but I think a majority of them are okay with uh, gay marriage being legalized. Uh, prominent uh, <clears throat> prominent traditional conservatives, you have Ben Shapiro. He is my idol. He's uh, one of the reasons why I got into politics and to what I want to do. Because of him, I listen to his uh, podcast daily. You've got Ali Stuckey. Uh, 
the conservative millennial, she posts a lot of funny videos, but sometimes she is prone to say absolute stupid things. I called her out one time for a stupid thing that she said, and she responded like a whiny progressive and blocked me. Don't know why, that's just what they do. Also, you got Matt Walsh. Um, whatever you think of Matt Walsh, whether you may agree or disagree with Matt, the dude sticks up for what he believes in. He will pick any hill, whether it's uh, the porn debate or just religion overall, and he will pick that hill to die on. He is very strong in his belief, and that's something I appreciate, whether you're on the left or the right, whether you have beliefs and you believe strongly in them. Next group, we'll talk about the uh, broadcast patriots, uh, broadcast conservatives. Um, what am I trying to say? They, like I said, I guess you could put me in there, but I'm not really well known. These include people such as Rush Limbaugh. You've got uh, Sean Hannity. He used to be a big Hannity fan. He also has a show on Fox. I was, like I said, a big Hannity fan whenever I first got to Lincoln University where I went to school. Um, I would turn on the TV and mainly watch a lot of Fox News, which I don't need more. Uh, I would watch Bill O'Reilly on at 7, Megyn Kelly, a fantastic journalist, at 8. And then Hannity at nine, who was the man at the time. I uh, have since grown myself apart from Hannity. I uh, I don't hate Sean Hannity. I'm sure he's a really great guy, but he's just too pro-Trump for my liking. Also, to wrap up this group, you got Mark Levin, great guy. He's surprisingly very, very funny. Who's someone? Mark Levin tries to be very serious, but toward the end of his show, he starts to wind down, and then he gets really funny. He, you should listen to his impressions of Mitch McConnell and uh, uh, Bernie Sanders, uh, Bernie Sanders, the old communist, and uh, the, the Soviet Union supporter, but Bernie Sanders, the former presidential candidate. Levin does a very good impression of Bernie. That was also my Bernie impression as well. Levin has written a plethora of books. He wrote Men in Black. He wrote... Uh, Liberty and Tyranny, Plunder and Deceit. Um, my favorite Levin book would be Rediscovering Americanism and the Tyranny of Progressivism, a fantastic book which helped shape my view of the world to an extent. In his latest book, Unfreedom of the Press, which exposes mm, press outlets like CNN, MSNBC for being hacks. And uh, wait till you read chapter six of his book about the New York Times and how they basically covered up for the Holocaust and how they covered up for Joseph Stalin when he decided to kill uh, 10, 10 million Ukrainians. Next uh, group I'd like to talk about, these are people who have been referred to as anti-anti-Trump, which is a term that I really don't like. It's uh, used by never-Trump Republicans to smear Trump skeptics of basically being Trump supporters. It's basically like, oh, you aren't calling Trump mean names, calling him a Nazi, saying he's uh, unfit. You must be a Trump shill, even though you clearly didn't, resport, uh, didn't support him in 2016 and don't plan on supporting him in 2020. Uh, some of these people include, you have uh, Jay Caruso, who don't agree with him on a lot, as a lot of people. If Here's another rule about politics. I know I'm going a little bit off topic, but if you find yourself agreeing with somebody on 100% of the issues, you're doing it all wrong. If you agree with them, say on 80, 90% of the issues, you're doing it just right, right there. You got to find something that you disagree with somebody on. Even Ben Shapiro, who is my idol, 
I disagree with him. I think he tends to be a little bit tribalistic whenever it comes to foreign policy. You always hear him talk about how he supported Iraq, mainly because, you know, that was Bush's war. But then he'll also say, oh, I didn't support Libya, which was Barack Obama's war. Barack Obama being a Democrat, George W. Bush being a Republican. This next group I'd like to talk about would be the never-Trump Republicans. They, they basically accuse some of us of selling our soul when they basically sold their soul. Here's the thing. Donald Trump, you can say whatever the hell you want about him, but he's delivered on a lot of conservative issues. He has given us tax cuts, uh, which I think weren't really all that great, which, uh, not even close to what Ronald Reagan did back in the 80s. You, he gave us deregulation. He's also moved the embassy over to Jerusalem. I know some of the policies I don't like. He tends to be too much of a protectionist. Uh, hasn't been much of updates on the wall. There's also um, Obamacare still sort of a thing. They repealed the individual mandate, which is a start, but haven't really done much since. Trump's biggest stick was repeal Obamacare. I don't care. Just repeal Obamacare. And they just repealed bits and pieces of it. You got to take the whole thing down. I am a free market absolutist. I think healthcare should be left up to the private sector. You can't just rely on government subsidies. I think there should I, – I may tend to buck conservative uh, trends. There should be, I think, one of the more basic of safety nets. I don't think you can't just let feed every American to the sharks. You uh, have to have some sort of basic safety net. I do support – uh, downsizing the welfare state also. Like I said, the Never Trump Republicans, I know I went off topic there, but they are the ones who have decided to go against him. And most of them are supporting Joe Biden, the dementia-riddled Joe Biden, because orange man bad. Like I said, you can have disagreements with his character. I sure as hell do. Sometimes I think his character is well needed because most of our politicians are basically robots and Trump is to an extent a breath of fresh air. Also, I tend to think that Trump can be a bit childish with his tweets. And I know his tweets compared to the alternative are not that bad. The alternative being a uh, hardcore progressive presidency. Thank God we are probably not going to get that depending on what Joe Biden decides to do if he wins. But like I said, Trump is a – the only way to say it is the way that Ben Shapiro says it. Trump is a hammer in search of a nail. He sometimes hits a nail and he sometimes hits a baby. That's basically Trump in a nutshell. But these never-Trumpers think, like I said, just because orange man bad, um, <clears throat> they are going to support Joe Biden because of Trump's character. Like I don't get how you can support left-wing policies – when just because you don't like someone because of their character. I understand. Like, I'd have much more respect for them if they would get behind a candidate like Justin Amash or another third-party candidate. Like I said, I'd have much more respect with Amash into the uh, candidacy. Now, that gives a breath of fresh air for some of these uh, Trump skeptics to vote for someone so they don't have to hold their nose or vote for a Democrat. Like I said, uh, these never-Trumpers, they include... Uh, Joe Walsh, who used to be a big, big Trump supporter, he tweeted back in November 2016 something along the lines of, of November on November 8th, I'm going to vote for Donald Trump. And on November 9th, if he loses, I'm grabbing my musket. He has since just gone, gone. He's just um, 
a full-blown, now he's a Biden supporter, now he's basically trashing Hamash for wanting to run. I'm just like, I used to be a big Joe Walsh guy, I listened to his radio show, but I stopped listening maybe not even a year after uh, I started, not because of his Trump. I respected the fact that Walsh criticized Trump, you know, he's like, hug him when he does something right, right, rather, or hit him when he does something wrong. That's a good policy that conservatives should have in regards to someone like Trump, which is something that I have gone by since the earlier part of Trump's administration. I remember, I'll admit that in 2016, I was a big, big Trump supporter. I was always a huge Trump supporter. But then 2017 came around. What really changed my opinion was the fact that he went back on one of his promises. He said, Trump campaigned as an, as an isolationist. He said, no more wars in the Middle East. No more, uh, well, no more wars. No more wars. But then in April or March, he decided to go and launch missiles at Syria. At the time, I was thinking, oh boy, this isn't going to turn out too well. But I was wrong. But still, that taught me that you should um, call balls and strikes with Trump as you do with most politicians, depending on, well, where they are. But not for these never-Trumpers. Like I said, Joe Walsh, who just went completely just off the rails. You've got uh, Rick Wilson, who is just, I don't know the man personally, but from what I've seen on TV, he's just a loathsome human being. But I will give Rick Wilson the benefit of the doubt because there's one thing he did. This is, I think, even before the COVID-19 thing broke out. He went on TV and he mimicked some uh, Trump supporters as a, you know, Boomer rubes, you know, they don't know their math. They can't read a geography board. Uh, uh, they can't read. Yes, it was a bit, you know, mean and shallow, but it was also kind of funny. A lot of conservatives got triggered, which was kind of uh, hypocritical, if you know what I mean. Anywho, now we'll wrap up this uh, segment of the podcast with another, <clears throat> another group. They're called the Libertarians. Uh, they call themselves socially liberal, fiscally conservative. Uh, libertarians tend to support the Constitution. They tend to support capitalism. They also, but they also buck the Republicans whenever it comes to foreign policy and social issues. Um, what am I trying to say? Their big thing is the Fourth Amendment, I think. Like the Fourth Amendment is to libertarians what the Second Amendment is to conservatives, I would have to say. Ask any libertarian. You're real, they're real big on privacy. The uh, uh, you got to have a warrant before they can search you and whatnot. And also like to uh, finish this off the saying something that I you know should have said in the first part of the podcast. I got this idea for this uh, topic from Gavin McInnes, who was originally from Rebel Media. Whenever he did that sort of video, then he went to CRTV and hosted Get Off My Lawn with Gavin McInnes. But then. Whenever um, the Blaze took over, well, whenever the Blaze merged with CRTV, CRTV rather, um, Gavin McInnes was just cut, him with Michelle Malkin. But a little unpopular opinion, I like Gavin McInnes. I mean, yeah, he gets a lot of flack for being a part of uh, Proud Boys, but, you know, with every organization, there's a few rotten apples. And with this one, Proud Boys, a few rotten apples just happen to spoil the entire bunch. So that's it for this segment. I would like to switch over now to more of a uh, COVID-19 segment, which is a big debate that's been going on since the whole outbreak in the United States. Uh, seems like there's this binary choice now, according to leftists, saying that either you have to support 
total lockdown until we find a vaccine or you just want grandma to die, which like I said, it's a false choice. It's just really stupid and it shows how you are intellectually lazy. I'd also like to say this, all you people who get to collect a paycheck from home as a, a journalist or any other profession, shut the hell up, please. Stop saying that no one, that we shouldn't reopen the economy when you aren't feeling the brunt of what is going to be possibly worse than the Great Depression, okay? I am fortunate to be employed where I'm at and have not been furloughed or fired, but not everyone has it as good as you. Not everyone gets to work from home. Some of us would like to go back and be able to put food on our table, okay? So stop putting them down as stupid or just assholes or trying to spread the virus. I tell you what, if the country gets reopened, you want to stay home, hide under your bed, or watch Netflix, get fat all day, go right ahead. But like I said, leave us healthy people alone so we can go back to work and provide for our families. With that, I would like to close out this uh, podcast episode. It's, uh, like I said, <clears throat> I'm sorry for the uh, audio quality. I bought a microphone. I uh, hooked it up Saturday only to find out that my laptop was not recognizing it. Um, I bought another cord. It's got a USB end on one end and then it's got a cable port or a, cor a port with a couple of jacks for that you would plug um, these little thin cords in. I guess you could say I'm not very all that much tech, tech savvy, but hopefully if that doesn't work, I may try moving to a headset if that can record Skype. But I want to close out by saying if you like the podcast or if you can think of ways to to improve it, I'm more than willing to listen. You can comment on YouTube or you can message me on Twitter. My DMs are open. I am at Braden's World. That is B-R-A-D-E-N-S underscore world. And it's all lowercase. My email, I may regret giving this out, but... The more the merrier. My email would be bradenlhart3 at yahoo.com. Like I said, if you have tips, you can email me, you can comment on the YouTube video, or you can message me on Twitter. Uh, I'd like to close out by saying uh, Proverbs 2923. Get off of here. I'm going to go make some macaroni and cheese, and I'm going to watch Ted 2. I hope you all have a very good weekend and a very good week. I think next week I'm going to try and bring on one of my uh, Twitter followers. We're going to talk about everything conservatism and libertarianism. So you all have a great, great weekend. Bye-bye.